Who was that handsome looking dude, huh? <laughs> uh, I'm really excited. This is like Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Noah built the ark. By faith, Lola G built the calendar. But a couple of things to just project far out. Uh, one of them is there's a summer concert festival called Soul Fest. Some of you are aware of that, maybe not, but I'd encourage you to Google it. And they have massive amounts of Christian artists that gather up at Loom Mountain. You're able to uh, go up there on your own, and that's a great experience if you've never done that. But I also want you to know that we uh, have reached out in the direction of Berea, Camp Berea, and this year we have put on the schedule Man Camp, uh, because men, men camp, they don't retreat, they never retreat, uh, but we also put on their ladies retreat as well, which is taking place in September. And so I just encourage you to take a peek at that and many other things that are on here again, by faith, because we just don't know what, what's going to happen, but we're grateful. God's been good to, to us, and uh, he's been good to, to you, and we are grateful. Thank you for your faithful support and all you've done. We continue to make a difference, especially with Serve Our City. We've put once a month that we're going into the city. Uh, last time we went and we handed out sneakers and we handed out food and it was great and we're organizing as we go. We're looking into a trailer. We're looking into advancing as much as we can, making a difference. Somebody set up a bridge with Adidas, I believe it is, and they said that for every single high school student and middle school student in the Tewksbury Lowell area that is homeless, they're going to put together a fully stacked and fully packed backpack, and we're going to be able to give that to every one of them. So this is, some really great things are happening, and we're very grateful for every single one of you with your faithfulness and your support. Well, if you would allow me to pray for service, that God would help me to focus on what needs to be focused on as we celebrate Mother's Day. Excuse me one second, everybody. Hi, Mom. I love you. Aww. Why'd you spank me when I was little? <laughs> it worked. <laughs> somebody said it worked. If you weren't listening online, somebody said it worked. Everybody got hit with something, right? Italians used wooden spoons. Uh, uh, Latin Americans used the chuncleta, the, the, the flipper. Uh, whatever it is that you were hit with as a child. Um, for some, some reason, it worked with me. I think I got them all. But uh, we're grateful here. I want to just pray a blessing over you and a blessing over God's word, and then we'll jump right into it. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for mothers. Lord, we will never know how much they bore for us. Moments in heaven that we'll be able to look back over our lives where they were carrying us, and yet they could barely carry themselves. Moments where they gave us hope, and they had none left for themselves. Father, thank you for mothers. Thank you for the nurture and love of mothers, people who continue to believe in us, even when we stop believing in ourselves. And Lord, for those that are watching, live streaming, sitting here, listening, or playing this message in the future, God, that maybe the idea of mother is a sign of, is, is, a, is a tragic story in their life. Lord, Sometimes it's not what we've had, it's what we do with what we've got. These can be the greatest mothers, the greatest nurturers. And I just pray your blessing on every woman's life today here, that, Father, that whether they have their own children or they reach into the lives of other children like those that were up here today, that you would be glorified through their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to 1 Kings, and we're going to turn to chapter 17. 
It's kind of an odd charge I have for us here today. Uh, It's actually looking into a desperate season in a mother's uh, life. You know, this morning and represents really the, the church connection with the birth of children. I, I have this incredible memory of my first son when he was born. I've, I have memories of both of them, but this, this one moment where somebody said to me, Paul, no matter what you do, make sure that you, you're there when that happens. Make sure you're there if you can be there. And uh, I, I remember just like guys are just like, we're not thinking about this stuff. We're like, oh my gosh! It's, it's, it's almost, don't you feel, those of you that are recent fathers, right? Your wife is carrying that baby. She's carrying that life. She feels the kid kicking. And the whole time you're like, yeah, we're having a baby. We're having a baby. And then all of a sudden when they're giving birth, it's like, oh my goodness, we're having a baby! And then we do the dumbest thing in the universe. Let's take pictures! <laughs> it's like, put that thing away! And it's just, it's amazing. I, I, I just, I, I just, to, to have to be responsible for myself for nine months is, is, is difficult, but to have a child and to, to bear that, that's, that's a unique privilege from God. And, uh, and we just celebrate all of you moms. But it's interesting that today when we look at scripture, we're going to look into a tragic window of a woman's life, of a mother's life, of a mom who actually doesn't have a husband in the story, and how she was able to step in, step up, and step out in faith and make a difference. See, at the end of the day, what God is looking for is not qualified people. He's looking for willing people. He's not looking for perfect moms. He's looking for willing moms. And here in chapter 17, starting at verse 8, let me read to you the story of the widow from Zarephath. Here we go. Verse 8, chapter 17, 1 Kings. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Just for those of you that maybe don't have a mind map, if I were to say, who, go to Plastow, New Hampshire, in, in, right above Massachusetts. Like if you were to take Israel, right above it on the coast is this area called Sidon. So he's leaving the land of the Christians and going up into this place, Sidon, which is actually filled with Canaanites and pagans. God says, I'm going to send you up into this area, which belongs to the Sidonians, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. And he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there and gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And she was going to bring it he called to her and said, bring, it, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, listen to her language, as the Lord your God lives. She knows and she can identify that he's a Jewish person, a godly man, and she doesn't say the Lord my God, but she says the Lord your God. Just because somebody is not a follower of Christ and knows Jesus differently than you do does not diminish who they are as a human being. In fact, God uses people who are not full followers of Christ all the time. It's part of the journey. God's put within us his image of compassion. He's put within us his image of love. He's put within us his image of faith. And sometimes some people have this life-transforming moment, and other people, God is just dimming up, the, bringing the lights up little by little by them stepping out and following their heart in the walk that they have. But she says, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, 
only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare myself and my sons that we may eat and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourselves and your sons. That's pretty audacious. Here's a starving widow and he's asking her for a meal, and he's asking that he gets served first. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and she did, as Elijah said, and she, and she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Now to really understand what's going on, you need to know the story behind the story. Israel, who were supposed to be God's chosen people, who were supposed to show the world what it was like to be in relationship with God, were anything but that. They'd become so backslidden that they were worshiping all kinds of false gods. They were walking away from anything that was right and godly and holy. And the reason for this is because the king of Israel, Ahab, had decided that he, was going, that he didn't need the advice of God and, to, and that his faith uh, didn't matter. He thought, my faith really doesn't matter. I don't care. And he saw this princess up in the Sidonians, the very place where this woman's from. Her name was Jezebel, and he married her. And she brought in all kinds of paganism into the country. And what's interesting is, is that in order for God to provide for this prophet, he sends him outside of his own country to the country where this woman was. Here's another thing that happened. The prophet Elijah said, this nation is not right with me. And as a result, God says, that he will withhold the dew of heaven. Now, in those days, there's no market basket, there's no stop and shop, there's no shawls or anything like that. It's basically, it rains, you harvest your crop, and you have food. If it doesn't, you die. And so the, the prophet Elijah said, I tell you the truth, except by my word, there will be no rain upon the ground. And it had been a long time since a drop of rain hit the earth. The crops were failing, the storehouses were emptying, people were starving to death, and the prophet was now in the same predicament that these people were, and he was the very person that, that made the declaration that there'd be no rain, that there'd be no food. He was suffering through that process with them. And it's so bad now that it's not only affecting the place where he was at and the people it was for, the Israelites, but it's also spilling over into this nation above them and all around them. They share the same rain clouds. They share the same kind of crop cycle and all those kind of things. And, and this woman's out there and she's picking up sticks so that she could cook her last meal and then they die. Thank you very much, Pastor Paul, for this wonderful, encouraging message on Mother's Day. God bless you. You can all go. <laughs> but, but I would dare to say that this is actually the perfect example of Mother's Day because this will talk to us this morning about what it is to be a dedicated mother of faith that is willing to take a natural step in a small direction and watch God do big and mighty things through those steps. He says, I have commanded a widow to feed you. I've commanded a widow to feed you. Now, what's interesting about that is, is that it's a widow. He doesn't tell him what she looks like. He doesn't 
tell her where to f him where to find her. And in fact, in, the t in what we just read, it says that he just went to the gate of a city. All he knew was that God spoke to him, that God was going to use a widow to provide for him. Just before this, if you read the chapter before it, he's still in a time of starvation and suffering. And God says to him, Elijah, you're my man. I know there are bad things happening. But if you go into the, you go into the wilderness there, I have a brook where you can drink. And it says that there were ravens that were bringing food to him from the tables of the kings. They just swoop in, take that turkey leg, flew it off, dropped it right there with a gourmet meal in the middle of nowhere. Let me tell you something, when it comes to Jesus Christ in your life, the world around you could be starving, the situation around you could be desperate, God knows how to provide for you. And any of you who have been moms through difficult seasons, you know that to be true. You know that God has shown up and has come through for you in some very dark and difficult seasons. And if he can do it for this widow, and he can do it for us, he can do it for your children and your children's children. And this is what kills me about this. Bring me a little water in a vessel and bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Some of you have seen this. It's a husband on a couch with a remote. Go get me some soda. Give me some chips. Like he's just sitting, I, I, this was the thing that messed me up here because I'm looking at this and I'm like, wait a second, who does he think he is, right? Who does he think he is? By the way, we have uh, hand sanitizer, Lowell Assembly of God for you that are visiting today if you go out to the visitor center. That's attention deficit. So check this out. He, why in the world would God send this man to a widow? Why not to a millionaire? Why not to the person that won Jewish megabucks in Israel that week? Why not to the person who had a really nice house and a really... To be honest with you, I bet you God would have used anybody, but this was the person that responded. And I would say to you this, many of us sit back and we look and we expect somebody to step up and to pay the bill. Somebody, oh, because they have a little more, or maybe they should. But God expects every single one of us to be willing to step up, step out, and to be generous. When Jesus was in the temple, a widow came in and she put, they, they used to pour coins into it. They used to, the, loud, the more coins, the louder it was, and they, had, they would blow trumpets. And they'd be like, yeah! And then all of a sudden this widow comes in and she throws two coins, pink, pink. And Jesus goes, whoa! That widow just gave more than everybody else combined because she gave what she had to live on. Wait a second, why would, why would a widow do that? I mean, where are the millionaires? Where are the people that have the resources? Whatever. The, they have their relationship with Jesus and they have their giving to do. And by the way, there are people in our church who are generous. There was somebody who happened to be a mom who asked me not to tell you who they are, but came in and gave $20,000 for our homeless outreach for a trailer that we can begin to really seriously reach this city. So think about this. Praise God for that. But that's probably like two bucks for you or 20 bucks or 200. I don't want to make it sound like this person is wealthy because they're not. But they, they did their part. Why would he go to a widow? Because every single one of us moms have a responsibility to be generous. You know why? Because when we are being generous, our children are watching. Our kids will learn if we're generous or if we're stingy with love, if we're generous or we're stingy with peace and forgiveness, 
and food and hospitality. You see, because there's a lot more that we do to provide for our children than just food. And this widow's out there gathering sticks. She's like, this is it. This is the last meal. This is the end. And still, she has the ability to see somebody else in need and says, I'll take care of that need. That's amen in baby talk, by the way. (laughs) As the Lord lives, listen to this woman's words. As the Lord lives, I have nothing. I have nothing. I think God created the family structure the way it is is because he wanted us to understand him. See, every single one of you, I have to warm up to a relationship, and you got to get over my quirks, and i got to get over yours. When my sons were born, there was no warming up. I looked at my boys, and I said, I would die for them. And then when I saw them as young adults, I said, I would kill you if I have to. <laughs> Just kidding. Sometimes you have nothing. Moms, new moms, you're going to probably already feel this. The baby's crying in the middle of the night, and we're like, I just can't, i got to sleep. Kevin, you take the baby. (laughs) Right? You know what I'm saying? Zombie life is real. It's called baby in the house, and it wears away at you. I think God wanted us to see that no matter what, that the second that we cry, that he's there to answer that we're hungry, he feeds us, that we're, 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 we're going through a difficult time, he walks with us. And God chose the family, and God chose the mother as that center, but sometimes you just don't have it to give. I have nothing. I'm just baking my last meal. The situation's desperate. Moms, do you know what it's like out there to lack what it takes to care for your kids. And this widow, it doesn't matter that there wasn't a husband there for for the point of this story, is not because we're focusing on her widowhood, but it wouldn't have mattered if there was a man there because he would have been doing the same thing with her. He would have been picking up the sticks. He would have been gathering the meal. He would have been saying to his family, we're going to eat this last meal. This is it. Maybe the kids had no clue and this mom was out there, but it wouldn't matter if there was a father there because there are some needs that you can't meet. God leaves some things within your reach and outside of your grasp because you were born to have a relationship with God Almighty through, the, through faith in Jesus Christ that you are not your sole provider. God is your provider. Every blessing that you have, he wants to bring to your life and whether it's as small as a widow's meal or as big as a, as a, as a million dollar bank account, it's all proportionate to God asking us to live our life trusting him. But listen to what the... It, This widow is picking up this stuff and and she, listen, I said this a second ago, but it is so true. You cook and you are going to have to cook more than a meal for your kids and your family. You have to cook faith in the home. You have to cook hope in the home. You have to cook security in the home. You have to cook love in the home. And she's sitting there and she's saying, is this my last meal? And some of you moms that are out there saying, is this my my last moment, my last visit, my last call, my last hug, the last time my kid serves God? I have nothing. There'll come a time in your life when that child grows up that it might be desperate and God will need to intervene. And just as you got up in the middle of the night to walk that moms, you'll get down and you'll drop to your knees and say, God, I need you. If I could buy it, I would. If I could beg for it, I could. But I need you to do it because 
I'm dependent upon you, God, speak to my daughter, speak to my son, change their life. It's the God of all hope. But she had nothing. She had nothing. And she admitted it. And this is what the prophet says to her. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know what fear is? It's basically the uncomfortable feeling that the worst will happen. You know what faith is? It's a trust and peace that something good will happen. And if you make your life, listen, a friend of ours said this to my wife and I once about parenting. You can either have power or control over your children, but you can't have both. You need influence. And let me just say something to you about faith because everybody here has an appointment with a widow moment where you, no matter how resourceful you are, no matter how uh, energetic you are, will have a moment where what you have is not enough. And you'll have that moment to do one of two things, to either try to take control or to try to take hold of trust and faith in God. You can have control or you can have faith but you can't have both. And this is why the life of faith is so important as a parent, as a community, as a church. And this is what makes this woman stand out is this, that it could have been a millionaire that was there, but it wasn't. It was a widow. And it could have been somebody that had two meals, but it wasn't. It was somebody who had their last meal. And still that mom was able to care for somebody else. That's beautiful. We need to trust God. But here's what, here's what it says, and this is what's cool. It says, he, says, he says this to her. He says, here's what I'm going to tell you is going to happen. You do what you're going to do. You cook that last meal. But as you're cooking that last meal, I want to give you a promise from God. My promise is this, is that no matter how bad it gets, no matter how long this lasts, this kindness that you've shown, the oil will never run out, and the flour will never run empty. And here's what's interesting about that. I just picture like all of a sudden like, boom, you hit it. It is flour and oil megabucks. Boop, boop, do. All of a sudden a big truck backs up with a backup light. Beep, 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 beep. And they start unloading oil in the house and they start unloading flour in the house. And like, that would really make us feel good, wouldn't it? Because like, we want to be once and done, all set, but that's not how God works. God wants to, knows how to keep you and I in the tension of having to trust him. And every single time that widow got flour, it still looked like it was all gone. And yet it still kept coming out. And it still looked like there was just a little bit of oil left. But each time she poured it out, it still kept pouring out. And God kept the tension of her having to continue to trust instead of dump trucking a once and done blessing on your life and you should thank God that he keeps that tension there because you and I are prone to get our need met like a baby and stop crying and forget about everything else and move on to what we want and then we get a little older as toddlers and we say mine and we wrestle and what God's trying to do is make us grown up mature believers that understand and know that we have a God that we need to depend on and he is going to always whether we have a lot of money or no money he is always going to have us needing to depend on him and the question will be is, is will we want to try and control the situation or will we have faith in God in the situation because we can't have both 
God doesn't give down payments. He works with promises. He deals in the currency of faith, and he pays dividends with miracles. How will our children see miracles if their mothers aren't pursuing them? How will God see, how will our children know what it is to see promises from God fulfilled unless they're being led by parents that are stepping out and are surrounded in a community with people stepping out by faith in small and simple ways? We're the ones that model that. Uh, Honey, I'm sorry I didn't ask permission to share this story, but I think you'll, you'll appreciate it. Drew as well, I just want to apologize to you if this makes you uncomfortable. But my, my wife is, is intentional in that we, we used to be in ministries where we were working in the inner city around working all the housing development projects. We, we, were, we, we weren't like, they're the homeless people and here are us. We, were, we, were, we did life together with people. And that's the beauty of our church and serve our city is, is that we have people in our community here that are, as in, that are in need as much as people that are, that are in Jesus. And this is what it's all about. We all need the Lord. But my wife wanted to develop compassion in my son and so she was driving by at market basket and they saw a homeless guy in the back going through the dumpster and so i don't know if drew if you even remember this but if you remember it mom took you inside and she went she was like we're you know what drew we're here to shop for us but before we buy our food i want us to pick out some stuff for that homeless man and so what would you want if you were that guy and so they went to the chicken section and there was this big turkey leg and he's like i think I'd want that, you know, so it's like this big Henry VIII turkey leg, grabs it, and I, don't, I think that was it, or did you guys get like some snacks or something, and a little bit of cup sugary snacks? Yep, some sugary snacks. And so here goes my son, and this is a beautiful moment. Mom is shaping a faith moment in his life. Jesus is about to speak to him. My son with, picks the best turkey leg he could find. He's got his sugary snacks, and he walks up to the guy, and he says, excuse me, sir, I want to give this to you. And he goes, I'm a vegan. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Here's some sugary snacks. I don't eat sugar. It's no good for you. <laughs> Did I miss anything? Yeah, okay. You get the last word today. Now, it didn't go perfect to plan, but the question is, is are you intentional? about your service for Jesus. Like, are you intentional about, did, you see, you have to be in, moms, you have to be in pursuit of Jesus. You have to be in, you have to be cooking faith in your kid's life. You have to be cooking. You want a kid that's dedicated to the Lord that's growing up in church? How can that happen if you're not? How can, do you want a kid to grow up to be the kind of person that thinks about the poor? And How can, how can they if, if you're not? And, what amazes me about this widow is, is that right there with her last meal, she still finds it in her heart to be generous. God can meet your needs if you're willing to meet him in the middle with trust and obedience because obedience always brings blessing. This woman, you want to talk about living paycheck to paycheck, that's where she's at. But look at this here, and just want to switch to this last section here. I call this, Give Me Your Son. It says this in verse 17 of the same chapter. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house became ill, and the illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? He's like, what? 
What have you against me, O man of God, that you have come to bring sin to, my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son? You know what I've come to find with parenting? When the pressure's on and difficulty happens, we sometimes forget that bad things happen to good people, that God brings the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous, the just and the unjust. Every single one of us have to deal with problems. And the, the, we, we don't, we, you need to be careful that you don't shake your fist at God or you see that God is getting even with you or that you did something here and so he's settling the score over there. If that was the case, he never would have died on the cross for you. He never would have made a way for you. He doesn't work like that. He's a merciful God. He's a loving God. He's a forgiving God. But she says, oh my goodness, my kid's dead. Thanks a lot. I give you the last meal and it's really been great to eat like this, but I'd have rather had my son than to had another meal over and over again. And she's grieving. And he said to her, give me your son. And the Bible says that he took him upstairs and, he, and he, he, he puts him down and he prays for him and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on and then all of a sudden, it's like, the, he's pro, I don't know if he's sitting there saying, God, take me. Put my life in this kid. God, take me instead of this child. God, why have you brought, in fact, he says it to God himself. He says this, oh Lord, my God. Have you brought calamity even upon this widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? Please, God. And it says that he prayed three times. Don't think, moms, don't think that your prayers are going to get answered once and done. Sometimes you've got to carry him three months, three weeks, three times, three years, three decades. But God in time brings about his will, and all of a sudden it says that the Lord my God let this child's life come to him again and the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah and the life of the child came back into him again and he revived. And she said, he says to the woman, he says, see, your son lives. And there are some of you right now that are here and you celebrate this, but you know how the journey looks. Maybe you're looking at the path and you were like... If I could do it all over again, I'd do it differently. If I could be more of this and less of that, I'd, I'd do it. I'd trade anything for it. But that isn't the point here this morning. The point is this, that your child might be out there and you think, oh my goodness, the, their faith is dead. Their love is gone. The, and it, God is the same God that raised this child to life, is the same God that can bring life back into your children. And for those of you that have children that are not serving Jesus Christ right now, or moms that aren't serving Jesus, I'm telling you right now, God can touch their life and reach them, even if they're outside of your reach in your grasp because he's a miracle working God give me your son and he says here's your child here's your child returned back to you see your son lives as we close here I'm just going to ask if everyone across this room would just stand and in just a moment I'm going to invite you to join me in a a prayer of dedication. We dedicated children, but really, to be honest with you, it doesn't matter how dedicated they are. What really is the question is, is are we, are we willing to rededicate ourselves to the Lord afresh and anew? Are we willing to be that person that at our darkest hour are willing to give out of our dire need a generous kindness to somebody? Are we willing to be the community that, that does that? But moms are special. 
Moms are special. And, um, and you may not have had the mom that you, you hoped for or wished for, but I can tell you this right now, is that, that we serve a God that can put within you the mom you want to become if you'll walk with him, if you'll journey with him. Maybe mom was that person that, that caused a lot of pain with you. I've always found that some of the greatest parents are not the people that had great parents, but they're the ones that say, I want to be a great parent, and they trust God to shape that in their life. But there's a, a, a story that really shows how special moms are, and it, it, it talks about how this mom, when she had a baby, she would rock the baby back and forth, and she would say these words over and over again, and I want to get it right, for, especially for those of you that are edu- elementary ed teachers here. She would rock the child back and forth, and she would say this, I love you forever. I like you for always. As long as you're living, my baby will be. She would do this, and she was brought that infant home, and then when he was still a child, she would come in, he'd run into her arms, and she would hold that, that boy, and she would just say it to him in his ear and say, I love you forever, I like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. Now the story gets a little bit ridiculous, and as the son goes off to college, mom gets a ladder and she puts it and climbs up into the dorm room, and as he's sleeping, she grabs him and rocks back and forth. Now don't be this kind of mom, by the way. Don't be this kind of mom. But the story is really what it's about. I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. Well, years went by. He got married. She still kept up the practice. And then finally, as he had his own life and he was moving forward, his mom got sick. And he came back and heard that she was in the hospital, and he walked in, and he put his arm under his mom's head, and he put his arm under her legs, and he brought her close, and he began to rock back and forth, and he says, I'll love you forever. i like you for always. As long as you're living, my mother you'll be. Moms are special. And even if you didn't have a special mom, you can be that special mom. And even if you don't have children of your own, my goodness, the world is plagued with a need for more mothers. Be that person that exercises faith, that has dedication, And our children will follow the line of you into this place and into the unknown, knowing that they're never alone, but there is a God who can take your last meal and turn it into a feast for a lifetime and can take the most tragic situation and turn it into the greatest triumph by the grace of God. Amen? So, Father, across this room here this morning, we just come before you. And I just think first, for those of us that maybe need a fresh dedication, I'm just going to ask with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here this morning and you've drifted in your relationship with Christ. Some things have drifted their way into your life that you know is a hindrance. And, and you're saying, man, I just, I know that God loves me. I just, I, I feel really unlovable. You're saying, Pastor, would you pray for me that God would wash away this sin, that Jesus would carry away this this stuff that's drifted in my life, that I would know that I know that God loves me, that I'm forgiven through Jesus Christ, and I would have a right relationship for him with our eyes closed and our head bowed. If that's you, if you'd raise your hand real quick and say, pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me. I see your hands. I see your hands across here. And next, I'd like to say this. For those of us that are here, whether you are a mom, uh, you are a mom and, and you have a mom. For those of you that are there, that maybe there's some tension that's risen up in your relationship with that family. You know what? 
It's never too late to just simply say, let's reboot. Let's have a fresh start here. Now, I'm not talking about toxic, toxic relationships. I'm not talking about inviting somebody who is abusive to your life and it's toxic. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about where all of a sudden the family get-togethers aren't happening anymore because you're angry about something and you can't even remember what it was you were angry about. It's just, you just have feelings toward that person. But you would get on your knees today and say, oh God, would you just clear the air between my sister and me, my mother and me, my child and me, and, and do a miracle, Lord. Do a miracle like you did for that widow in my family. Bring hope into a hopeless situation. If that's you, just raise your hand. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, we pray for everyone here that's saying, God, please come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Change me. Lord, we're praying right now for everybody who has a rift in their family that today would be the day that a simple prayer and a simple phone call would take place and we wouldn't raise the expectation so high that it's ridiculous, but we would take a first step in the right direction. And Lord, I just pray for every mother, especially these new moms. Oh God, would you fill their life with faith? Would you fill their life with hope? Would you remind us, Lord, that their children are going to need to depend on you as much as they depend on you? And that God, that you are an ever-present help. You're a miracle-working God. And so we invite you to change our life yet again. Lord, we never want to lose our dependency on you, but we, Father, we make a choice. We can have control or we can have trust, but we can't have both. And so we grab on to trust, we grab on to faith, and we move forward in simple, kind ways. We're going to do the natural and you do the super. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Let's, let's congratulate those parents again, family members, friends. Thank you for coming today. It's, we celebrate with you guys. Um, young adults, the more I know or the less I know of you that are coming over would be helpful if you check in at the visitor center and just let us know so we know how many burgers to cook. But we are so grateful for you. We're going to start opening up little by little. May you go in the grace of God. Go kiss your mama and have a great day. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day.